This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Travel Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hello, everyone. My name is Tal Shalit. I'm the CEO and co-founder of BetterRes, a reservations and ticketing system. And uh, what I love about travel, well, I love the people aspect, uh, connecting people, seeing people, new adventures, new smells, new tastes. What is so complex about Grand Transportation Ticket Reservation? Imagine managing bus ticket reservations when a port or terminal could be just any other street corner. The bus and coaching industry has been plagued by inefficiency for decades, and our guest is modernizing that white space through technology and airline industry insight. This is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. So how did you get here today, Tal? And where were you coming from? Yeah, I flew with Porter, uh, Porter Airlines. out of Toronto. So I came from Toronto, a quick uh, flight in the morning, a quick flight in the afternoon. Hmm. Yes. Did you take a bus from the airport here? <laughs> no, <laughs> I did. Uh, I used Lyft to get to the okay. airport. Yeah, okay. I used Lyft. I like to alternate between Lyft and Uber just to keep them honest. Yeah. Interesting. Do you find any like uh, like discrepancies one way or the other? They're trying to swing you back with a coupon. I find that all the time. Yeah, yeah. those emails. Yeah, I've been, uh, I do interview the drivers uh, just to, to see which one they enjoy a bit more. I think they're pretty much the same. I think the GPS integration for Lyft is maybe one step behind uh, Uber at this point. Uh, but other than that, uh, they're pretty similar. Nice. Yeah. You, you used to work at Porter, correct? Yeah, I did. Uh, I uh, I joined them. I can't remember which year, uh, but relatively early days uh, when you know the IT department was really focused on connecting wires and the infrastructure side as they started the airline. So mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to join, help uh, establish the IT team and, and grow it into a nice size team. Yeah. Interesting. How's that relate when you end up flying now, even though you're not on the team anymore? Well, I think in that. My day. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm still in touch uh, with some of the folks uh, uh, with the ownership group. Uh, still have some friends there. Uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, I still like to say that Porter was probably my best uh, and most fun job uh, out there when I started. So um, it, it was a hard decision, but you know, part of what I was doing there helped me realize that I wanted to do better as. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. how did you how did you realize that? How did you come up with the concept of better as? Um, I, I think, you know, I, I started, uh, I ended up going to school for computer science. Uh, I ended up at Deloitte out of school. Um, and more by luck than anything, I joined uh, a small group that was trying to figure out systems relating to customers, which then became, you know, customer relationship, uh, e-customer, e-CRM, and then we essentially, a small group of us, uh, started the CRM practice at Deloitte. So um, very lucky. It was a hot time. Uh, got to travel quite a bit as a result of it. But a big part of it was enterprise systems, uh, integration to customer systems, web systems. Um, so a, a lot of experience with enterprise systems. And then when I was at Porter, that's when you realize the power of reservation systems and how much they impact just about every area of the business. And since um, you know I was running the IT team, I think that's when I started thinking about what could happen if we reimagined how reservation systems are done. Um, build something in the cloud, look at significant automation, simplify things, use some of the latest technologies, and that's how the idea was born. Yeah. What are some of the some of the 
I guess, hurdles that you wanted to avoid when, you know, from your experiences with reservation systems and GDSs probably at Porter, you know, what are some of the learnings that you wanted to bring to the to the bus industry? Well, initially, actually, we built it for, for the airline industry. Um, Interesting. You know, we, we thought, let's go and build a, a res system for small airlines. And that's, that's what we left the industry to do. I um, ended up taking, uh, my in-laws are in Sonoma, California. So mm-hmm. I had to get to Sonoma one time. Um, so I was looking for transport options from SFO to Sonoma. I went on a website. I found a, an airport shuttle company. And I think it was about 20 steps through the booking flow that I got to the end. And they said, we'll mail you the tickets in two weeks. Um, And and that's That's when something kind of got triggered in my (laughs) mind that there might be an opportunity there. Um, So, yeah, got on the bus, had to pay the driver cash um, (laughs) and uh, got the name of the the owner of the company and called them. And that, that actually became our first customer. So I uh, haven't really looked back since. I uh, realized that ground travel has its own unique set of challenges and uh, you just focus there from that point onward. Yeah. yeah. You know, you talk about acquiring your first customer and you view your customer as a, as a bus brand, right? Yep. So can you talk to me about your thought process and your evolution on being B2B, B2B2C and kind of how you guys have landed on on where you are because that's a topic you know for travel that we end up discussing a lot on this podcast because it's it's an interesting dynamic between those different models yeah um you know i was uh always more of a plumbing guy um you know the the core systems the the, the low-end services uh, so b2b always spoke to me more so than b2c uh, i don't have the experiences and uh, marketplaces and generating end-user demand, uh, but I always thought that it was about the automation and the plumbing uh, that would drive the efficiencies and the automation and the real innovation. So that, that's wh- where I focused uh, uh, when we started Better Res. Yeah. And how do you go about acquiring these brands as customers? Yeah, well, it, it's an interesting question. We're selling an end-to-end reservation system, and we had to start, uh, as a startup, you're starting from scratch. Everything is, is developed from scratch. So I I still don't know how it actually happened. Uh, I think at some point we were selling just the vision behind what we thought needed to happen as we were starting to develop components. Um, luckily enough, people, I think, bought into our experiences and the team and gave us a chance. And that allowed us to start going through small iterations, listen to the market, find out what they needed. Uh, but the goal was always to enable a multi-channel or omni-channel experience for the operator. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're an airline or a bus or a train. Uh, the idea is to enable you to set up your inventory, your pricing, and then get going on any channel that you need help on. And some of them just needed help on their uh, website. So in, in effect, we are a B2B to C company. So we do give you microsites that you can publish to your end users as well. But the idea was really about the plumbing and the inventory and pricing, operations, finance. So just lots of iterations through it. Keep listening finding the right companies that needed what we had at the moment. And luckily, things just worked out. Yeah. Interesting. Can you um, consider me a layman on yeah. the reservation system for for buses? So sure. could you walk me through how, how that ticket reservation looks? Um, maybe an example of what it used to be like, as you said, like mail you the tickets in two weeks to what it is like now. Yeah. So, you know, I often say that the ground travel industry is – 20, 30 years behind where airlines are uh, at the moment. Uh, if you think about all the challenges that airlines had, 
I think some of the challenges for the ground travel industry are actually because of uh, airlines. And what I mean by that is... Um, hey. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a very <laughs> different industry. And what they try to do when setting up new systems was to learn from the airline side, where mm. I actually think that the airlines need to learn from how ground travel deals with their inventory. Because at the end of the day, it is the inventory that is the most complicated side of, of things. So if you, you think- you unpack it, that a little bit? What's up? Could you unpack that a little bit? What do you think is more complicated? I guess, yeah, the yeah. fact that, you know, the corner of the street right here is a bus station. Yeah, uh, and, and, Valid. and it, doesn't have, <laughs> it doesn't have an airport code. Yeah, no it doesn't terminal. have an airport code. So technically you can stop just about anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then when you start thinking about connecting uh, different stops and different buses, um, the algorithms are significantly more more difficult, and then you start thinking about pricing and applying pricing, uh, even in a straight line approach, are very difficult. So you run into the concept of the price is always forty bucks. If I had to ask you what's how much does a flight from you know New York to Boston cost, I don't know. You can maybe give me a range, but you can never say the price is you know two hundred dollars. Um, so it, it is the inventory, the fact that you have just about any location uh, that can act as a stop. And then when you start thinking about connecting different operators, then the number of permutations just explodes. Um, so, so coming up with trip results in a, in a fast uh, and efficient way is, is actually a pretty big computational problem that you have to solve. So, so th- this is what I mean. I think when I look at airline inventory at this point, it seems super easy uh, after you've been analyzing uh, bus and other ground travel forms of transport. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm. I, I guess I'm curious. You know, with the with Betteres, yeah. are there components that you were able to introduce? You know, I know dynamic pricing is a is a component of. Yeah. You know, when I book a Bolt bus, that that yeah. they you know increase the rates so that it gets closer to the ride and yeah. everything like that. So, are you able to to adapt those for smaller charters? As uh, you know, the SMBs of the bus world. Yeah, good good question. So, you know, that that is part of. Uh, where we've been moving and, and part of our approach. So we serve some enterprise customers, some large ones, some government transit agencies, but all the way through to some smaller operators as well. And, and one of the things we've created is this one environment that everyone can live in and, and share, uh, which is pretty cool because you have the, the small guys kind of given that innovation and, and you know moving fast and the big guys are driving some of the features and components uh, that the small guys want, uh, but maybe can't afford. So we've created this, this environment that they can all share together. Uh, and yeah, for, for pricing specifically, being able to look at things like advanced purchase uh, that you mentioned with Bolt Bus, uh, but you have things like purchase travel dates, uh, uh, purchase dates, travel dates, uh, you have load factor uh, as a big one, uh, fare classes, fare types, uh, so, so many different permutations. And one of the things we're constantly trying to do is, is automate that for people that can't have pricing teams like you do at JetBlue uh, or any other airline. Uh, you know, typically the airlines have teams sitting there looking at pricing and continuously moving things around to accommodate. Most ground travel operators cannot do that. So we have to come up with an intelligent way uh, that you can just set it and, and forget it and then maybe adjust over time. So, Bess, do you think that there's an application for better as in this in this example, right? You have a team of people pricing. Um, do you think there's still an applicable nature to airlines? Is this something that you, you know? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. And, you know, a little plug here. That's one of the reasons JetBlue Tech Ventures did invest in better as is we see a huge overlap here. Um, 
you know, one use case I really love is air to bus to cruise, right? So Better As has bus lines running straight from Fort Lauderdale Airport to the cruise station. Mm. Um, so that makes for a really seamless customer journey, which is one of the themes at JTV. We're always looking to see how can we connect, which is what what is today a very disjointed travel experience. Um, and, and buses are a fantastic way to do so. We also see it potentially as a customer recovery tool with um, canceled flights. Yeah. Do you not add to that, Tal? Um, yeah, I, I view all of travel as ultimately coming together. And, you know, I like to joke that people have been talking about intermodal uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, seamless travel across different verticals for, you know, I, I don't know even how long, definitely since we started better as that was kind of one of the buzzwords. I, I think one of the challenges is still inability to handle ground travel and even public transit. If you look at inner city bus and public transit, a lot of the scheduling uh, and inventory uh, aspect of things very similar. Um, so uh, until that all comes together, it's going to be very difficult uh, for all the different industries and verticals to talk together. But now we've popped up with all those new forms of travel, ride sharing, uh, definitely an aspect. I, I was joking earlier about you know, being able to book a, a scooter or a bike share as part of the end-to-end to get you to your door. Yeah. Uh, but but that, that is you know, what we're trying to get towards. But systems have to be more open. Uh, we need to see a lot more open source capabilities out there, more uh, interfaces that are open and available for people to consume. So technology plays a big part of that as well. But definitely part of the vision is about starting to connect things, uh, interlining, uh, but it has to be in a way that is impartial and not biased towards any one operator. And I think we still see a lot of bias when the big, the big operators are doing this on any invent, uh, any type of uh, industry, they still try to maximize for themselves, whereas uh, every island needs to have its own control. Uh, and if you want to share inventory, it's kind of like Facebook, uh, add me as a friend, I'll accept. Uh, and that works. Uh, I don't know if Facebook is still a cool thing. No, that's probably that's 10 years ago. Yeah, Hot bit, topic. I'm Hot a topic. bit behind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting. The kind of, well, you're talking about like an opt-in for that, that type of, for solving against the fragmentation. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it seems like if you talk with, with a GDS representative or something like that, that's, that's essentially what they would hope their role would be, right? The interconnected of, of all of these, you know, hotel inventory against distributors and such like that. But inevi- inevitably, that means there's that intermediary. Do you, I mean, let's talk about blockchain. Do you see yeah. that, you know, that there's this decentralized approach? Um, is that play into this vision that you have for better as? Or You know, we talk internally quite a bit about the blockchain uh, and, and the capabilities that it does bring. Uh, there are some companies that are, you know, trying to approach global distribution from a blockchain perspective. I think some have made some good progress. The concept theoretically makes a lot of sense, uh, but there's so many factors on the ground uh, that make it difficult um, that it remains to be seen whether there's going to be adoption. I think you know part of it is is the ability to transfer funds and the cost of using you know applications on top of the blockchain, especially when it comes to payment, uh, especially when it comes to high volume transactional applications. So if you think about you know the volume of of bookings that go through any one operator and the speed. You know, when, and then you think about things like Bitcoin and what it was meant to do. It wasn't meant to do high volume transactional uh, events. It, it was meant to make sure that the payment that you did is sound and immutable, and you can't hack it. Um, right. 
and that doesn't quite jive. So, so still a lot of technology aspects need to be done because if you have to mine through millions of millions of, of records every, every day in order to understand if it's valid, still some challenges there. So, uh, but the concept of not having an intermediary uh, is valid. Mm. Um, I think a lot of the GDS companies are trying to figure out what balance uh, uh, to play here. Same as banks, uh, they're trying to figure it out, but they're not incentivized to move too fast either. Um, so uh, my answer is we'll see. I, I like the blockchain. I like what it does. I view it as a ledger at the end of the day. I think applications for payments specifically are more applicable to reconciliation and cash clearing. I think that aspect makes a lot of sense. Uh, but in terms of a transactional side, um, I, I still haven't seen it uh, uh, be presented as efficiently. But That's interesting. Yeah, maybe we'll see it soon, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. What other kinds of new technologies do you see affecting your business? I mean, is autonomous buses yep. something we're going to see in the future, you think? Autonomous everything. Um, one of the biggest challenges in just about every travel industry uh, vertical is the people. Um, you know, finding pilots is a huge challenge. Uh, finding bus drivers is a huge challenge. Not, not many people come out of school saying, I'm going to be a bus driver. Um, so it's, it is a real challenge. So autonomous vehicles and, and having to not deal with uh, the people aspect is definitely appealing if you ask the owners of those companies, some other uh, things about it, but may maybe it's more of a conductor type role or a, a host type role uh, where you operate and, you know, uh, make sure that everyone has a, a good customer journey. So definitely autonomous is one. I think you know, you can get a lever and, and pull and generate any buzzword uh, in the industry <laughs> and it applies, uh, you know, from machine learning to artificial intelligence to beacons and, you know, uh, name your, your buzzword. Yeah. But it, it all will come in. The question is, at what point? I think the industry still has a lot to go through before they can even get there. But I think there's a big opportunity because we don't have a lot of the legacy stuff that the airline industry and even the rail industry has today. So, you know, I, I often think about Africa and how many countries didn't even have landlines. Uh, and it got to the point where we just got some cell towers and forgot about all the landline stuff, just went straight to mobile technology and cellular technology. And now everyone has a cell phone and they didn't even need all the infrastructure for landlines. So right. you can leapfrog through some of those things. And, and I think that uh, the ground travel industry has that opportunity right now. Interesting. Yeah. We should unpack that. But before we do, yeah. you brought us something here to unpack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was told I have to feed you guys. Otherwise, you'll edit all the good stuff and put all the bad stuff on. Yeah. Uh, so, what did you bring us today? I brought some hummus. Yeah, all right. I brought some hummus and some bread. Uh, so make a hummus plate. That, that was kind of the idea. Just touch, touching on my Middle Eastern roots. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, where in the Middle East? I, I'm from Israel originally. So oh, I grew cool. up in Israel. I, I moved to Toronto with, with a family when I was uh, uh, 14, just into high school. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're going to enjoy some hummus. Oh. Yeah. When we get back, we'll, we'll dig into uh, a little bit more. Sounds right. good. Cool. Coming up, you'll hear from Tal on what macroeconomic factors play a difference in Betterez's business model. The Toronto startup scene and how travel has made its influence there and unexpected avenues for growth. Hey everybody, this is Vikram Iyer with the American Enough podcast. I just wanted to thank all of you for listening and tuning in week after week 
Uh, we are just on the precipice of clearing our one-year anniversary, and this has been an incredible journey and examination of who America really is against the, the headwinds of our modern times. If you are interested in the perspectives of mayors and how the identity of their cities is changing America's fabric, or how our foreign policy is changing the way that CIA agents do their business, or even how those brave enough to come forward and, and stake a claim in the Time's Up or the Me Too movement, how their identities have, have been changed by speaking out so publicly, uh, or even if you're just interested in how Netflix documentarians are viewing the world and using satire and entertainment to cope with our current times. There is something for everybody across this channel, and uh, we hope that you continue to subscribe and like wherever you pod. American Enough can be found on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Um, and if you have any feedback or have any ideas for more great show, never hesitate to, to email Vikram at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com or tweet at Vikram Iyer on Twitter. And uh, please keep spreading the word. This is not over anytime soon. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, Email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Tal, imagine that the economy has a downturn mm. right now. Do you think that plays any factor on, on your business, whether or not people are booking high reservations on buses versus other modes of transportation? Uh, yeah, I think there's actually a, a positive uh, impact on ground travel. Uh, when you look at uh, downturns, uh, typically if you look at the average uh, income levels of people traveling by ground versus by air, uh, I think what you end up seeing is the people on the cusp end up spending less money. So if they still have to travel, ground travel is a better option at that point uh, due to costs. Um, so actually downturns uh, tends to drive more volume into ground travel. Uh, but in general, even downturns, you, you don't typically see a huge impact on travel. People still move uh, downturn or not. Um, maybe some of it is, is more discretionary. You see a bit less of, of that part, but you still see a lot of people moving uh, during just about any economic situation. So, you know, for us, uh, we still expect things to either be slightly better uh, or, or the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you see an opportunity to market to a more premium traveler or create a more premium experience on a bus? Absolutely. And, and we actually, one of the nice things when you build, you know, an ERP system and ground travel, you get to the point where not too many companies in the world have the breadth of product that we have. Um, so you start getting approached by, you know, different regions, different countries, different continents. Um, so we start assembling a view of which continent is doing what, which one is advanced in what. And in Latin America, South America especially, you see a lot of different classes of service. You see sleeper buses that have full lie-down beds. You see business class type uh, services. So, so that's definitely already happening in a big part of the world. Um, some of it may come to North America. Some of it already has. Um, so it definitely exists uh, already. So answer is mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. 
Interesting. I wonder if, um, you know, in a previous episode, Bess and I were talking about flying cars mm. and <laughs> the idea of like puddle jumpers, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe how that might be a practical first step is terminal to terminal local. Yep. Now, we had talked about how it's actually even more complicated reservation sh systems with ground transportation because you don't necessarily always have a terminal or port, right? Mm -hmm. So I wonder, I guess, if there's an opportunity or avenue for those types of applications in this reservation system because then you could be picking up, say, anybody anywhere yep. with a flying driverless vehicle. Yeah. Let's get really far out there. No, Let's like, you know, look a We're talking years at least two years out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least two years out with flying and everything. <laughs> Everything's coming and it's coming fast. Uh, I, I think yeah. the main thing is we, we don't know exactly what's going to stick. So the, the right. idea is to structure your business as uh, something that is as nimble as possible. Uh, being able to not get yourself into any, any technical debt or, or business process debt, keep things hmm. as simple as possible possible so you can actually change uh, when you see something new and that, that's a big part of it we already have things that do door-to-door -door pickups they're called taxis uh, it's <laughs> right. called uber right we, we have those <laughs> things uh, put some wings on it and and drop you from one place to another and now that's you true. have a flying car so so those things exist i think part of what we're trying to figure out as a society is which mode of transit fits what purpose uh, so you know airlines are not going away Airlines, definitely the long-haul airlines are not going away. Maybe the really short ones, if you're looking at 30 or 40-minute flights, maybe some of those are going to see increased competition from different modes of, of travel. Uh, rail companies, especially in North America, rail infrastructure is so expensive. It's hard to put rail infrastructure everywhere, so there is a limit uh, to what's going on there. Uh, Europe is a lot easier for rail to, to actually succeed uh, because of the high density of population areas uh, and, and the relatively short distances. Uh, inner city bus is not going anywhere. There's definitely a niche for inner city bus uh, that you cannot make, meet with, with cars or with uh, airplanes or with rail. Uh, obviously, Uber, ride sharing. Uh, and then we talked about bike sharing and scooters, and uh, I don't know what else uh, uh, is out there. But, you know, all the different modes have their own purpose. We're just trying to get into an ecosystem where everyone figures out who's best serving what. And then they're going to try to, you know, move into someone else's yard and see if they can run experiments and, and see if that makes sense. Uh, like Uber trying mm -hmm. to get into, uh, you know, scooters and, and bike sharing, uh, things, things along that nature. Yeah. And speaking of the cars of the future, mm -hmm. it doesn't seem from my perspective like there's been a lot of innovation in the actual hardware, the actual vehicle of mm -hmm. the bus. What does the bus of the future look like in your opinion? Well, a lot of it is not necessarily hardware. I think a big part of it is software. And, you know, we talked about autonomous. That is definitely a big part. Um, you can have the, the driver now. Well, the driver already has multiple jobs. They are and they handle the baggage. They are the ticketing agent. Uh, they sell you tickets. They actually check you in. They do customer service. Um, so they already have a lot of jobs. Maybe we can take uh, the driving job, which is the other uh, probably main one, out and, and help them do the other ones and focus on the on the customer. Um, so uh, I think that I'm sure someone will come up with a creative way to engineer a, a cool bus. Uh, but the new buses are super nice. Uh, I haven't spent as much time on buses uh, before Betteres. Uh, I have maybe as a student and as, as a child, uh, but you know, since uh, Betteres, I've probably been on on quite a few buses uh, testing everything. And, and you have some awesome buses out there. 
Uh, I've seen ones with hardwood floors or probably laminate, but uh, <laughs> you, know, you know something that looks uh, business seats. You have Wi-Fi on the bus. You have uh, electrical outlets. Really easy way to travel from one point to another. And the fact that they can get to any corner of any street actually makes it a lot easier to yeah. get to as well. So super cool buses out there already. And, and that experience and what we used to think about buses definitely is changing. Yeah. And how do you handle quality control there? If you're, you know, putting your name behind and, and recommending a bus brand, how do you ensure that they're going to be mm. up to the better as standard? Yeah, good question. We don't because we're not a B2C company. Yeah. Um, so th- that aspect, um, you know, we, we give them the engine to sell tickets, uh, to do all the finance reconciliation, operate, scan, all all the cool things uh, that, that happen for the operator. But we don't have to... Um, you know, worry about uh, what what the what the reviews are. They they do. Um, uh, they typically do. Yeah. Interesting. Um, it's interesting. You you mentioned a couple times now that um, yeah, you actually didn't. I repeat have... myself a lot. So, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. no, the uh, that you know you you ex- experienced this problem set yep. for the first time because you hadn't typically taken a bus. And then uh, I guess I'd be curious. You know, what are some other avenues that that are unexpected. You know, you kind of fell backwards into bus, but you know, you, you said you were experimenting with trains and you have some customers in that sense. So yep. how does that work? How is it applicable in different ways? Well, I think, you know, we talked about flexibility and an operator having to think about how they generate more revenue, how they improve the, the customer journey, how they improve the employee experiences. Those are things that all operators have to do in any vertical of actually any what we call RTM industry. When we started better as we thought about the concept of RTM, which is reservations and ticket management, I mentioned us starting the the Toronto office for CRM, which is customer relationship management, kind of piggybacking on the idea, come up with an acronym, make it sound cool, <laughs> and, uh, and and keep mentioning so so everyone else starts repeating it. That's but, what business needs, more acronyms. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we'll come up with a few more by the end of today, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but RTM as a concept, reservations and ticket management, applies to so many different industries. Um, obviously, travel has a number of verticals in it we're all familiar with. Uh, hospitality, you have hotels, bed and breakfast, uh, restaurants, all do reservations. Um, you can think about government, you can think about schools, education, uh, healthcare, booking an MRI machine technically should be similar. So so if we start thinking about the whole space and how reservations and ticketing needs to be managed, then we can start extrapolating that and, and bringing it down to how do we build something flexible that allows us to pop up a product. Mm-hmm. And my product might be very different than uh, what I do in a typical bus industry, but they sell tours uh, and the tour space is very different than you know straight open-ended ticket or a reservation product. They may have some packaging, they may have you know bundles, ticket booklets, so that the concept of being able to create your own product and and you know set up the inventory and then sell it across multiple channels in real time is very powerful. It allows the operator to have that flexibility to compete and get out to market with something new. So we're continuing to try to think about that, but still live within the ground travel space. Yeah, yeah. it's really interesting because you know as you described it, the reservation system in in uh, in ground transportation is complicated. Um, and then you think about how the application could be applied to events mm-hmm. or something like that. And then you start to think about, oh, Eventbrite and these other players yeah. who are big in that space. But they're coming from a standpoint of the tools and resources necessary for an event. Do you think that there's some unique 
aspect of ground transportation that that could lend itself to how events or say an MRI machine is like managed. Yeah, um, I, I, we like to joke internally. We've had so many interviews with so many different industries and, and customers that looked at our product and said, "Hey, can we use it?" And, and actually, some started using it for admissions and events, which was unexpected. Uh, we had a few uh, pop up in Europe that started using our product and have been for for a few years now. Um, but I'd say I don't know. That's not scientific, but you know, eighty to ninety percent is actually the same across all those RTM industries. Uh, maybe in some cases, if you're going across industries, it's it's a bit less than that. But the idea of setting up your inventory uh, and setting up your price is really the core. And then you start popping up the sales channels, which is similar. You talk about operations, who's coming in, who's coming out, do I scan them? Mm -hmm. uh, and then all the reports and intelligence you want to get out of the system. And then all the finance across all the different parties that are involved, all your resellers, third-party agencies, partners, and, and you know web channels. So th there's a lot of commonality. It's what are the unique characteristics for each uh, industry and for each vertical that now sometimes that 5% could be a significant amount, uh, which is why you can't quite go and build this platform that does everything for everyone. Uh, Eventbrite started more as a marketplace and then got into more and more enterprise tools to allow operators in that space or uh, event uh, managers to do just about anything. Uh, admissions, you look at zoos and, and you know attractions, all those things are also very similar. So as long as you continue to learn from them, th there's a lot that you can cover. But yeah, that, that little percentage can be you know, quite big when it comes to software engineering and, and being able to build something. But you know, if, if you ask us about dreams, ability to configure your inventory, ability to configure your booking flow, would provide this platform that allows you to really get out to market with, with anything that you'd like in the RTM space. Yeah. That's interesting. Do you have anything? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm interested to hear about coming from Toronto, but being from Israel to begin with, which has a huge, huge startup scene, um, as does Toronto. How do those kind of compare, and what do you kind of see the next emerging market being? Well, how do Toronto and, and and Tel Aviv compare? The weather uh -huh. is the same. You know, the weather is definitely the same. Yeah. <laughs> no, I you know I grew up on the beach. Uh, you know, if you take the politics out of the Middle East, it's a it's a great uh, great spot to be. Um, as a kid, you know, a lot of fun. Spend your time on the beach. Uh, I'm definitely a beach bum at heart. Uh, coming to Toronto, definitely an adjustment. You know, not speaking English and coming into high school was interesting. I could. You know, say bad words very well from from movies, but that was the extent of my <laughs> uh, of what I could speak. Um, it's one kind of immersion. What's yeah. that? Yeah, it's that, that's it. I, if yeah. you pissed me off, I could say something. Uh, <laughs> but that, that was the extent. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely an adjustment. Um, I, I wasn't obviously involved in anything work related growing up uh, because I left when I was fourteen. Uh, mm. But you know, coming to Toronto, uh, realizing all the different opportunities that we have in North America. Uh, how much more relaxed things are, uh, how much, well, so, so many things are different uh, with respect to, to North America and uh, in Israel. But, you know, that's the nice thing about travel. You get to experience all those different things across all those different cultures. That's one of the things that I really enjoy. Mm. Um, Toronto has a great startup scene uh, in terms of growth. Uh, th there's a lot of action in Toronto. It's a, it's a great location. Uh, the cost of the Canadian dollar versus the US dollar uh, at this point, 25-30% difference uh, allows you to really find some 
close to uh well not quite offshore but you know cheaper resources very good talent very good universities and education so a lot of companies realize that it's you know a great spot to start a business uh, recently with some of the politics in in the US as well and some of the visa issues uh, that have come up again that drives more and more people to uh, mm-hmm. to Canada um, so it became a great uh, a great spot to start experimenting and you know Toronto is a great city uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun maybe we'll get Bess over there one day I, I still, <laughs> we, we said we're gonna you know make fun of her for never being to Canada uh, so I think uh, but I think I need to officially extend an invitation uh, so I can do yeah. that here well, we're officially yeah. hereby inviting you to Toronto to come visit I accept okay I will see you <laughs> there it and it's documented let it be written yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. When we come back, you'll hear from Tao on a more personal note. Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable, and so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. Okay, so Tal, you're the first um, one of our portfolio companies who's been on the Travel Is Your Business podcast. Can you talk to me? (laughs) Can you talk to me a little bit about just your experience with with raising capital, with working with strategics like JetBlue Ventures, and how's that? How's that been? Um, Yeah, raising capital in startups. I think. uh, it's definitely an interesting experience, especially for someone that hasn't done it before. Uh, I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, but we've never actually raised any outside money. It was all uh, homegrown businesses. Um, so th- that was a new experience for me. And I think there was definitely an art and, and probably some sort of a science to it as well. And I'm still learning. I'm still learning. We ended up raising a, a, a small amount of capital uh, when we first started. I think um, six months into uh, following the investment, we realized that we're just about out of that money and started to think about what, what the heck are we going to do? How are we going to survive that? And some, somehow we did, uh, which was great. Um, you know, it, it allowed us to get to cash flow positive on our own. Uh, we did go through a few cycles of trying to figure things out like any other startup, but we got to a great place with a lot of growth. And that's when we started talking to some strategic customers that I felt, uh, strategic partners that I felt understood what we're doing a lot more. Um, so most uh, venture funds out there pay a lot of attention to the 
consumer side, the marketplaces, you know, you hear of Kayak and Expedia and, and, and Priceline, Booking.com, all of those, uh, you, you have less of an understanding of what happens behind the scenes. So I personally had a, a struggle selling that story to outside investors. Uh, but when I was talking to, you know, Amadeus and JetBlue and mentioned reservation system, it was a lot easier because right. they know that you mention reservation system to anyone in travel and they start crying because of all, <laughs> all the pains associated yeah. with reservations and ticketing systems. And sometimes it's the system's fault. Sometimes it's the business uh, that actually makes it very difficult for technology. Uh, but it was a much easier conversation. And uh, uh, from, from that point on, it, it, was, it was really a great experience. Uh, two key strategic partners. One is you know, the leading global distribution system. The other one is a leading uh, U.S. airline that understands uh, what we're trying to do. Both came up with uh, uh, unique ideas on how we can collaborate and, and have some commercial partnerships as well. So it's been a fun ride. And this, you know, we just finalized it uh, just over a year ago. Yeah, so still relatively fresh. Great. Yeah. That's so interesting. What trip have you taken in the past that made you feel the most at home? Yeah, we were talking about Turks. I, I really enjoy Turks. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a couple months ago. Uh, I had a chance to go with a few friends and just kind of boat around the islands. And I mentioned I'm a beach bum at heart, so it was really a nice way to disconnect from everything, enjoy the sun, enjoy the, the emptiness, enjoy the, the beautiful waters and... Uh, yeah, I can I can really disconnect when I'm in front of a beach. Um, so somehow, I guess maybe some psychological thing that goes back to my childhood that allows me to do that. So that that was. Plus, I don't have the best memory long term. So you know, I only remember trips in the past year or so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel like the most recent trip is always the most romantic. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. always like, oh, everything was amazing that time. It was. It was really <laughs> nice. Yeah. But, awesome. you know, I also enjoy, um, you know, one of the nice things I, I, I got to start doing is go to places that I would have never gone otherwise to visit customers. Um, you know, uh, northern uh, parts of Canada um, that I may have been to some parts of it, but I haven't spent any uh, time uh, or significant time out there meeting people in the north, smaller communities, in, in mostly in North America. Got to experience a lot of cool things that I probably wouldn't have picked as your top travel destination for for personal reasons, but I definitely appreciate all of those because you get to meet a lot of very cool people, um, and uh, yeah, I think those uh, were a lot of fun as well. So driving or flying to those spots is is definitely something I didn't expect to to touch me as much as it did. Yeah. It's great. You get to learn through all these new people. Yeah. Really rubbing in the Canada thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. No, but you know, even even spots in... in yeah, I think I got to keep bringing that up and just point at you. But no, even in the States, uh, you know, a lot of the times uh, bus transportation supports remote communities. Uh, yeah. the, you know, you can't put a rail line uh, and you can't, you know, put taxis that go, you know, a few hundred miles or even a hundred mile, miles. Um so bus is a great solution for it. And in many cases, the government has to support it because the population density doesn't justify uh, profits for an operator. So uh, there's definitely an aspect of government supporting this uh, and, and connecting different parts of, of, especially in North America, given the distances. It's uh, you know not something that most countries are used to. It's yeah. interesting. Is there um, a final thought you'd like to share? Uh, it could be a reflection on this interview or your experiences overall with Betteres. Just something, you know, kind of sums it up. 
Something deep? <laughs> as deep or shallow as you want to make it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, it's excitement about the industry in general. Uh, I think it is excitement because there's still so many things that are happening right now that we don't know where they're going to go. And, and I think that's, that's part of the fun of being involved in a startup. Everything is so dynamic um, and things are always changing. Uh, I think when I think about businesses in general, not just in reservations and ticketing, it is about, I mentioned, being flexible and being able to react and you know us being able to enable that for so many companies impact so many passengers either directly or indirectly is just, is very rewarding um so yeah just grateful for for the opportunity to do it and you know the, the fact that we've been able to survive and then thrive in in pretty difficult space has been a lot of fun that's awesome well um is there a way that somebody could get in touch with the work you're doing at better as yeah, um, go to our website, take a look at what we're doing. So betteres.com, um, you know, send us an email, info at betteres.com. Uh, probably marketing will kick me for spamming them at this point. But <laughs> yeah, no, uh, look us up uh, online and, and let us know how we can help. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being on the show with us today. Thank you. Yeah. For my co-host, Beth Chapman. Happy trails. I'm your co-host, John Matson. Bon voyage. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.